For me, um, when I found out about this plant-based lifestyle, I think it really enabled me to connect with my intuition. And I think intuition is such a powerful thing once you really understand what it is and really connect with yourself. Our bodies are so incredible. They send us warning signs, you know, when we're tired, when we're hungry, when we need sleep, you know, when we need exercise. They're incredible things. They, they're enabled to heal themselves. So if we start listening to our body more, I think that that's the key to life. So this plant-based, I'm not going to say that the plant-based diet alone was the magic magic fix. It, it definitely wasn't because it was a combination of other things. So I soon found meditation as well, which sort of enabled me to get back to my to my roots and, and understand, you know, me. Hello, veggie mates. Welcome back for another episode. Thank you for joining me today. I love being a part of your week and I'm grateful that you chose our show for an hour or so of your time today. It really does mean a lot to us. The clip you just heard was from today's special guest, Matt Sapala. I'm your host, Matthew Davey, and this is the Veg Talk Podcast, the show bringing you conversations I've had with leaders in the plant-based and vegan community from around the world. So before we get into it today, some quick updates for you all. You can now catch us on YouTube in both English and Spanish. Search for Veg Talk and you'll find both of our channels there. If you'd like to help out, you can do that by clicking the subscribe button, the like button on a video, or share that clip on your favorite social media platform. That would be amazing and greatly appreciated. Also, a big thank you to Apple Podcasts user from Australia, Megan Sleep. Megan gave the show five stars and said Veg Talk is her favorite podcast. Such a good listen with an amazing message. Great to hear so many inspiring stories and perspectives. We need more podcasts like this one. Thanks so much, Megan. Really appreciate the support. So Apple Podcasts is an amazing way to help. Uh, you can leave a review and a rating uh, by basically jumping on the app, finding Veg Talk, hitting the stars and clicking the button right at review. It only takes a couple of minutes and I will continue these shout outs every week. So now to today's show. We have an amazing story for you today with a young man from Essendon, a suburb northwest of Melbourne in Australia. His name is Matt Sapala, founder of Euphoria Health, a group and personal training business. He's a podcast host and a plant-based eater. Matt's life was not so healthy through his childhood and teen years, and he'll be sharing that story with you today. You'll hear from Matt on his battle with weight, weighing in at about 100 kilos or 220 pounds on his first day of year seven. Also moving through fad diets and calorie counting and the moments that forced him to deal with the core issues of his food addiction. For Matt to openly share his story in order to help other people who are feeling the same way is courageous and should be applauded. He's an inspiring human being and I'm stoked we connected whilst in Melbourne. I hope you enjoy the show, Veggie Mates. See you all on the other side to wrap it all up. All right, guys, we're here today back in Beaumaris, my hometown. We have an incredible guest with us today. His name is Matthew Sapala. Thanks so much for coming down from Essendon, Essendon today, man. Really appreciate it. Nah, thanks for the invite, dude. I know we just recorded our podcast on my show and um, yeah, it was really, really awesome finding out about your story and, and the drive down here was spectacular, driving along the beach, me and Buddy in the front seat, so it was awesome. Beautiful, man. Yeah, we're with Buddy today, guys. He's, uh, he's Matt's new dog. Uh, absolutely amazing rescue. He's like a half Rottweiler, we think Labrador. 
we're guessing. Yeah, we yeah. know Roddy, but not sure of the father. So I'm guessing Lab by the way he chews everything and <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face right now. So. Yeah, he's an awesome dog. Uh, yeah, we did a double header today. It's my first one. I'm stoked to be on your show. And guys, we'll get it from the, the top of the show. The name of Matt's show, you can search it in, in iTunes where people listen to podcasts is your weekly dose of euphoria and euphoria is y-o-u the number four i-a correct a little play on words there yeah nah nicely done man nicely done shall we get straight into your story let's do it let's do it so i'd love to hear a little bit about your childhood growing up in essendon um and yeah what life was like for you and your relationship with food and weight i know that's a huge part of your story and we're going to be talking about that today um, and w- are you an Essendon Bombers supporter? I am. You are? Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, but I am, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a battle. <laughs> yes, definitely. Especially the last couple of weeks. Although we did play good on, on um, Friday night, so yeah. Yeah, who'd you play? We versed Fremantle. Fremantle. Yeah. Yeah, I tipped Essendon. Yeah, so. good little win. Yeah, nice one. I'm got, so I'm a Crows supporter. Uh, so I was born in Adelaide. Yeah. And uh, we're actually going over this weekend. Nice. Uh, to, it's my first game at the Adelaide Oval. Perfect. So I'm pretty psyched for that. Apparently, the atmosphere is pretty good down there. Incredible. If you go to an Adelaide, Port Adelaide show down, you you won't be able to hear the person next year. No, that'd be wild. I've been to one of those games when they used to play at Amy Stadium, uh, but not at the Adelaide Oval. Yep. Apparently, it's just a whole new level. It's like religion here in Melbourne for all your overseas listeners. AFL is, is literally religion, so... No, it's it's true. It's a I suppose it's a little bit like the American sports culture. Um, people take it very very seriously. Definitely. And to to my Boston listeners back at home, the Bruins are in the Stanley Cup Stanley Cup playoffs. So, congrats to the Bruins. I hope they can bring the Stanley Cup home. That would be an amazing thing. As we've just had the Red Sox and also the Pats win uh, in this last season. Anyway, that's enough about sport. <laughs> Let's start hearing about uh, your life, man. I Yeah, really, really stoked to hear your story. Awesome. Well, thanks, Matt. Um, well, as you mentioned before, I did grow up in Essendon, which is the western suburbs of Melbourne, Australia, or northwestern, sort of on the fridge. Um, yeah, basically, my life consisted of playing sport with my older brother, um, kicking the footy, playing cricket, backyard cricket. Um, yeah, and, you know, chilling out with my sister. My brother was is four years older than me or three years older and my sister is five years older. So a um, bit of an age gap there. But yeah, I always looked at them, you know, as the person I wanted to grow up to be. And um, my brother was a person that I played sport with and did all the, the boy things with, you know, kick the footy, punch each other up. And my sister was a person who I used to used to chat with about things that I couldn't chat with about mum and dad, with mum and dad. So when I battled a little bit with anxiety and depression, I used to chat to her and we have a really good bond. Same with my brother. Although just with the um, with the boy things like cricket and footy and stuff like that, so yeah, my my childhood basically revolved around sport. Um, as you mentioned before, I was quite an overweight kid. Um, always boiled down to the amount of food I was consuming. So, growing up in a European family, that's not the blame of of my overweight, you know, childhood, but it was sort of the catalyst for me, you know, finding this great love for food because food in a European culture is the centre of everything, you know. Same with, in particular, Australia, you know, you go out for co- you go out to see someone, let's grab coffee and lunch or, you know, let's grab dinner. It's always the centre of everything. So that were my earliest, you know, memories of of developing a relationship with food that sort of spiralled out of control in, in 
a few different phases later in life. But um, yeah, as I mentioned, sport was sort of the center of everything. I was pretty good cricketer. I loved cricket. I played footy growing up and that sort of phase in and out when um, cricket took priority. Um, and yeah, that, that was pretty much it for my childhood. Went to school, lived the, you know, the traditional school, school childhood. I'd, I'd go before school, kick the footy, you know, look forward to recess. Wasn't really that um, academic, academically gifted, so to speak. I did like the challenge of mathematics, but, um, you know, I always battled myself whether I actually wanted to commit the time to get better at it. So I think uh, the younger generation do have, have gifts, but just finding them and, and really finding the drive to get through them um, is, is another issue, and that's what I experienced as well. On the food sort of front, as I mentioned before, I did develop a unhealthy relationship with food at a very young age. So I know we were chatting about before the podcast, Matt, my typical day of eating from a young age, from probably grade two all the way up to, to year seven, was I'd have a bowl of neutral grain or a bowl of fruit loops in the morning with loaded to the top with milk and look forward to drinking that milk afterwards because it made like a little a little milkshake at the end and for anyone that doesn't know they they those cereals are loaded with sugar straight from the get-go not awesome to fill your body with early in the morning and then on the way to school I would get dropped off at the milk bar which was lucky enough for me 100 meters down the road and I'd get an iced coffee and a bag of lollies which would fuel me just before school about an hour after breakfast recess an hour or two later I'd have a lamington that would be in tin foil that dad would have prepared um, with two pieces of fruit. So again, loading up on the sugar. Uh, and I would also scab some money off my, my old man to get some cheese toasties from, from the canteen there, which I was completely addicted to. Looking back now, I think, wow, like how could you do that? But at the time, I, it seemed right and I had, I had an addiction to food. And then lunchtime sort of went in. I have um, some leftovers from the night before, whether it be pasta, pizza or, or you know, might get a little bit healthy and have a tuna sandwich, but that's about it. And maybe another piece of fruit as well. On the way home, I'd stop past the milk bar again and um, and get another bag of chips or, or you know, a soft drink to, to get me through the walk home. As you can tell, I was his number one customer. I was keeping him in business that way. <laughs> um, and then I'd get home, I'd make myself a Milo with some cookies to dunk in and then have dinner, which was pasta, pizza, you know schnitzels all those sort of sort of things so my main meals were sort of semi-nutritious but the things in between that i was fueling myself with were just yeah outrageous yeah high saturated fat processed packaged foods definitely so a lot of that so were you drinking iced coffee from a pretty young age then? yeah i used to love it i am um, yeah. i guess that's fueling my caffeine addiction at the moment um but yeah yeah i love the taste of coffee and like i can go without coffee but yeah just love the taste of it from a young age yeah coffee's a pretty big thing here people take their coffee very seriously in oh, Melbourne. Mate. yeah definitely yeah it's definitely a big culture <laughs> i was looking at my um back bank statement the other day and come up with you averaging 40 dollars a week on coffee i'm like oh probably should take a step back here <laughs> yeah that's a good way of uh looking at where your money's going yeah, yeah interesting I'm, I'm sure ours looks something similar <laughs> when you when you have a great love and passion for something i think you know i'm trying to justify that to myself i'm not sure if it's if it's acceptable coffee's all right man how do you take your coffee um at the moment i float through it's getting a soy cap at the moment yeah um that's when i go out for coffee but if i'm having it at home i'll just have black cool but yeah soy cap is the way to go good stuff so yeah as a kid that relationship with food kind of sounds like you know it's growing into a consistent thing that's kind of like your your base diet, 
more or less. So when did it really start to, I suppose, become, when did it start to become a problem for you? When did you start to realize that, hey, this is not, you know, where I want to be or it's getting in the way of cricket, it's getting in the way of footy? Was there a moment there you remember where, yeah, holy, holy shit, this is, this is not where I want to be right now? Yeah, definitely. I think looking back on it now, I would always, I can picture people saying and being worried about me at a young age saying like, oh, you know, watch what you're eating. And I'd always use the excuse that I'm young. It doesn't matter, which is quite ignorant and, and stubborn when you think of it now, especially after obtaining all the knowledge that I know about early onset of diabetes and how that starts in, in the younger generation. So, um, yeah, looking back on it, I guess from the age of about eight, people were starting to be concerned about my addiction to food and how overweight I was getting. And then um, I travelled all through primary school being heavily overweight and got to high school. So first day of year seven, weighing in at 100 kilos at 12 years old, which is enormous for, you know, for a year seven, a young kid. I, I think the average weight is probably around 50 kilos, if that. So heavily overweight, almost, you know, double the other kids there. And um, I didn't see it as a problem then. I just thought, you know, I'll, I'll make a joke out of it and, and be the, the larrikin to, to avoid everything that's that's um that's gone on in my life and um anyway I went through through high school um got bullied a bit you know being the overweight kid um not saying that's normal it should be normal but but it happens with with young kids you make fun of of other people and for me bullying wasn't an issue I never really um took it to heart or anything I, I would always you know joke around with the person and give them an insult like that so I developed a, a relationship with people just based on insults pretty much um yeah, and then I, my diet sort of shifted towards the milk bar sort of thing through into high school because there wasn't one locally. So I'd um, have more of, you know, a, a breakfast like it consisted of before, maybe wheat bix or neutral grain. So I sort of steered away from the Fruit Loops, um, and then you know would have whole fruits at snack or a muesli bar or something like that. And then the lunches would still be the same as before. After school, would still have the Milo. So I was still eating an enormous amount of calories, just not um, as processed as it was in primary school. And then um, I mentioned before, I was always getting getting picked on and stuff like that, which didn't really bother me. And then. I was still really passionate about cricket and I wanted to, you know, potentially see a future playing professionally cricket. I was always looking at the, the players on the TV and I'm like, I want to be that person one day. And I remember trying out for the under-15s Victorian team and, you know, I, I thought I went okay. The, all the other kids are super athletic, you know, sprinting around and doing all, all things that are more capable than me because I was carrying that excess weight. And um, I didn't make that team. Long story short... Um, the coach didn't exactly tell me what the reason was, but I knew that my ability was was enough to be able to play in those teams. It was me carrying that excess weight. And, um, yeah, just that sort of got me. You know, I, I really wanted to – it sort of shattered my dreams. I wanted to play cricket professionally and having that setback, you know, really made me determined to, to make changes. So back at my local cricket club, I, um, I was chatting to one of the coaches there and I told him what happened. I'm like, look, mate, I really want to – I really want to play professionally. I want to do everything I can to be able to get the best out of my cricket. And we ran through my diet. He being a personal trainer too sort of helped. He had a rough idea on, you know, activity levels and what you should be eating um, for weight loss. So he told me, cut out the soft drinks and just have a tuna salad for lunch. I'm like, all right, sweet, I'll do that. Instantly, when you're that big you and you make drastic changes like that, you lose weight like that. It just falls off, which is fantastic and it's so pleasing to see because... 
people out there that are struggling to make that first step, it's it's pleasing to see that you've got that little boost of of weight falling off um, in the first you know week or two. So lost about four kilos in the first week, which was awesome. And I got addicted. I'm like, this this is great. You know, I'm losing weight. Um, you know, my cricket's better. I, I feel more energetic. Um, not having all these processed foods, so obviously you know getting healthier. And um, I got addicted to it, like I said before, and kept doing that. And once you, as you know, if you keep doing the same things over and over again, you hit a, a plateau. You just stop making progress. And um, so that's what happened. I, I stopped making progress and, and I got worried. I'm like, you know, I'm not losing weight anymore. I hadn't lost any more weight. I was maintaining my weight. I was feeling good, but I was still heavily overweight. So from 100 to 96, great achievement so far, but still a long way to go. Um so again, I, I I went back and asked him and we made some more fine adjustments, didn't lose any more weight. So I, I thought I'll take it to my own research and I'll do some things for myself. So I started researching myself how to lose weight, you know, the standard things on Google, Dr. Google strikes again um, and took it into my own hands and, and come up with all these different diets. I'd go on these, you know, low carb diets where I would restrict myself and still try and chain how I was and and do all, all of these restrictive things, which, you know, it sort of helped in the first place. So I'd, I'd lose, you know, five, six kilos. And then I've realized that it's completely unsustainable. So I'd put it all back on. And it was a yo-yo effect for two or three years going like that. Um, and then got to about f- 16, I think, you know, started to be introduced to more parties and, you know, females and stuff like that. As you've gone through high school, you want to you wanna fit in, you go to parties, you want to... Go out with girls and things like that. So um, I wanted to look better and lose more weight. So again, I, I started, brought a gym membership and and I researched again, you know, diets, how to lose weight. Done these ones before. I thought different name, different result. So I um, I tried the the shake diet. I'm not going to disclose the the name of the brand just because for obvious reasons. Um, you know, felt good, lost weight again. Yo yo effect. Two or three weeks later, that weight would come back on. And what did that consist of? Like a shake diet? I've never actually looked too deeply into those. Is so it purely liquid or? No, nah, there's a few different strains. You can <coughs> go through the purely liquid diets where it's literally just um, ground up food and you add water to it, you shake it around, and that's your food for the day. It sounds horrendous, completely unsus- unsustainable. Um, I did a smaller version of that, so I would still have my. Two meals a day, so I would recycle. Sometimes I'd have the shake for breakfast and then have lunch and dinner, or I'd have the breakfast, shake for lunch, or vice versa, things like that. So I was still getting the whole foods, just um, cutting out one meal. Got addicted to that, lost a bit more weight, um, and then brought it up to two meals. So again, cutting out down some calories, still trying to train at the gym, get involved in all that scenario. Um, was getting inspiration from people at the gym by just watching them exercises to do. Didn't really have any any idea of what I was doing, but yeah, got into that scene. Anyway, got off the shake diet and then um, was still unsatisfied with my progress. I I knew that once I started eating the whole foods again, I was going to put the weight back on because I hadn't tackled the issue within and that was the addiction to food. So I, again, started researching some more diets. I did a low-carb diet, so I would have literally no carbohydrates throughout the day. And then I'd allow myself one cheap meal throughout the week on a Saturday and I'd eat anything and everything. So I'd wake up early in the morning, I'd have, you know, um, ice cream with cookies in a sandwich for breakfast. And then I'd go to lunch and have a burger and then potato chips in the afternoon, get home again and have ice cream. So just completely binge eating on those things that I wanted throughout the week, but restricted myself from Monday to Friday and thought, it's Saturday, it's we're allowed to do this, aren't we? You know, the weekend, let's chill out, let's have something to eat. 
spiraled out of that for a little bit um, and I found myself getting a lot more acne and, and a lot more, you know, blemishes on my body, which were obviously my body sending me warning signs that this is not right for you. Um, still going through my weight loss phase, I was losing, you know, losing bits and, bits and pieces of weight and then putting it straight back on. So I was sort of yo-yoing with that. And I found this, um, this wonderful thing called calorie counting. And I think just to start off this conversation, calorie counting does serve a purpose for, for people. I think it, in order for people to understand what foods contain what calories, I think it's a fantastic idea. But long term, I would not recommend it. It taught me a lot of it did a lot of damage to me personally in terms of my relationship with food and started labeling foods good and bad and, and things like that. And that doesn't happen to everyone, but that was just my experience. So calorie counting is ca- finding out how many calories you need to survive on a day and then specifically hitting those calories. So I would use a, an application on my phone and log exactly what it was. Lucky for me, iPhones, you know, I brought up in an age of technology, I'd just screenshot the label and it would log it for me and then I'd map everything out for what I was doing. Fantastic in the first two weeks. I loved it. I thought, this is awesome. I found the, found the fix. I was losing weight and I was still enjoying the foods that I wanted, but staying within my calories. So um, to start off with, I started eating whole foods. You know, I, was, I wasn't plant-based at this stage, so I was eating, you know, chicken and, and rice with, with some greens on the side. So a really whole food diet. And switching from my processed food diet as a teenager to that, I saw amazing results, as you would when you go from bad to or when you go from worse to bad right it's a it's a spectrum right so you've gone from the the heavily processed and you've gone up a few rungs to you know more natural whole foods um i just wanted to ask a quick question about those cheat meals and the cheat day kind of philosophy if you will for sure yeah what what are your feelings toward that cheat day kind of mentality at the moment yeah and did and yeah at the moment now and did you stick to it then did it carry over into more days or were you really able to leave it at one day? Back then, I was definitely able to leave it at one day okay. and I wanted to maximize how much I could eat on that one day, hence the ice cream and yep. cookies for breakfast and really just trying to you know, fuel myself because I know I was going to be depleted from that stuff that I really craved throughout the week. Um, so I, was, I had the mental, mental toughness to stick through it and, and only do it on the, on the Saturday, yeah. Mm-hmm. At the moment now, I think of a cheat day as just a horrendous form of nutrition. You're labeling foods good and bad and you're setting a specific day that you can eat those foods when you're not actually listening to your body. So, you know, I was eating past the past hunger. You know, I was so full and I was like, oh, you know, I better keep eating because I can't have it for a week, which is a complete wrong mentality. And I was going from having, for example, 1,800 calories every day from Monday to Friday. So hitting those precisely. Then on Saturday, I'd have about 5,000 calories. Sunday, I'd go back to 1,800 calories. So if you map that out in the week, on the Saturday, I'm having as much calories as I was Monday to Friday. So I'm completely tipping the scales at one end and there's no balance and no sustainability to that approach. So I'm definitely against that. Got it. Cool. I'm all for treating yourself and indulging in foods you know, that make you happy because we're human at the end of the day food connects us together and there's so many amazing things out there why not why not try them if they're plant-based of course um but understanding when you're full and how much is enough for you and not having to go overboard and i know um we'll touch on a bit connecting with your intuition later on um through the process um of my transition into a plant-based diet. yeah absolutely sorry I, I definitely interrupted there but back to i suppose you know going a few rungs up 
in terms of uh, on the spectrum of healthy or on the spectrum of food going from you know uh, processed food um, more into that um, more whole food um, kind of mentality there no you definitely didn't interrupt mate i love that we made that point <laughs> early in yep. the podcast as well just to get people understanding my story a little bit and where it's heading so as i mentioned before i was eating um processed foods and then going to the chicken brown rice and broccoli yep. um or lettuce whatever it was getting you know each macronutrient food group in there carbs fats protein and and then on the on the saturday i would binge eat like i was before and I guess I never really got that out of my system. I'd go overboard on the Saturday and wouldn't count calories, use it as a cheat day um, for all the reasons that I said previously. And I, I was pretty happy with myself that I was able to sustain it from Monday to Friday, at Monday, Sunday to Friday, sorry, and then on the Saturday just indulge and let my hair down. Looking back on it now, I, um, I sort of went calorie counting for a little bit too long. I think I did it for two years back, uh, straight and... The amount of stress that it caused me um, emotionally with food was just horrendous. So if someone else had cooked me a meal, I would constantly analyse what they're putting into it and ask them while standing at the stove. So can I have the scales, please, so I can weigh how much rice I'm going to have in this or, or some tomato sauce? And they're just looking at me like, just chill out, man. It's it's Friday night. Enjoy. And I'm like, no, I'm strict. Tomorrow's my cheat day. This is what I'm having today. And for the people around me, that must have been like very stressful for them they're trying to do me a favor and cook me a meal and bring us together and i'm sitting there worried about how much calories is in the food like it's a very selfish act when i look back on it now and um so i did that for two years i saw some amazing results i'm not gonna lie i did see some amazing results um but i didn't tackle the issue that was deep within and that was my addiction to food and and it was causing me a lot of stress and i, I knew it at the time but i just kept pushing past it and Sorry, I'll backtrack a little bit. During those yeah. two years, I, I mentioned I joined the gym before and I also, you know, developed a, a gym gym program for myself and I would try and get to the gym two days a week for six days and have a rest day, sometimes seven if I followed up to it and really push through. Me being a personal trainer, knowing that's a recipe for disaster, you're, <laughs> you're pushing your body to its absolute limits while not fueling it correctly. Having 1,800 calories is not enough to be able to train twice a day, especially as a growing teenager. Um, so the stress I was putting myself in the gym training at high intensity or resistance training all the time, as well as having not enough calories was just a breeding ground for all disaster. Yeah. I went through that phase for about a year and a half. And I guess the turning point for me, like my partner Beck at the time, we were together through the whole calorie counting and I commend her for her, you know, support through that period. She would always never put me down for it. She knew that my goal was to be able to, you know, lose that weight and be ple pleasing to the eye and invert inverted commas and, and get to my goal. And she never put me down for that. So I do commend her for that. Um, and the turning point for me, I remember vividly, we were standing at her bench and I was chopping up some carrots and cucumber for the week. And it was a Sunday and I was, I was weighing out carrots and cucumber, which <laughs> cucumber is 10%. Like there's 90% water yep. in the cucumber. There's little to no calories and I'm sitting there trying to log a, cal uh, a piece of cucumber. <laughs> and um, she reached over my shoulder and grabbed a piece of cucumber out of my container and I snapped at her. I said, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I've just weighed this out. You know, you're meant to support me, blah, blah, blah. And then she said, just take a look at yourself. It is cucumber and you're getting angry at me for taking a piece of cucumber. And I took a step back. I'm like, wow, something's got to change. Like... For once, for one, getting angry at my partner for doing that is not on um, in the first place, raising my voice about that. But 
over cucumber like like really it's it's food so i took a step back and and i knew that i had to change and i, and I stopped calorie counting immediately and i felt like this weight had been lifted off my shoulders like i'll go over to dinner at my girlfriend's house and, and they cook me a meal and i'll be like oh amazing i can eat it i don't even have to log it i deleted the app off my phone and and just went completely cold turkey with calorie counting that's cool yeah it's a crazy journey i was gonna ask about the the kind of relationship we have to the external look uh, of our body versus how we're actually feeling about it so you know for you it seems that you were really driving towards this you know external look uh, that you wanted to achieve and kind of ignoring the uh, the warning signs that the body was giving you uh, and you know other people in your life were potentially uh, giving you as well so yeah was that i suppose was that fueling some kind of angst in you was there were you always constantly battling this external look that you wanted to achieve um with the the food and the calories that you were putting in definitely i think <laughs> you hit the nail on the head there matt i was always trying to strive for that you know the magazine body with chiseled abs and you know a buff chest tan skin like a for once, my complexion is completely white, so I was never going to get tan skin. Um, I go red and then <laughs> back to white. I'm so the same as you, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a complete warning sign. I should have stopped there. But I always wanted to be that person that I'm not and strive for an aesthetic view instead of you know listening to my body. And I, I now understand that. And through my, my journey into a plant-based lifestyle, I think I really understood that, that I can still eat those foods and eat you know healthy foods and then indulge on something when i want it even if it's a wednesday like who cares what's a day of the week got to do with when you can eat something um and not feel bad about it yeah and i guess that leads into my plant-based transition as well through sure, yeah. through this phase i was about 17 18 when i was calorie counting so gone through all the fads and remember this started when i was 12 13 so that five years of constant stress and anxiety on my body through food and through training um definitely took a toll when i was 18 and that's when i snapped calorie counting how much weight had you lost um you know from your heaviest to this point where you, you'd finished calorie counting so from that point i'd lost about 18 18 kilos give or take but i knew that you know the the issues underlying were not solved yet um so I was, I was 18, I, I just got my first part-time job at a cafe in Avondale Heights and I remember finding this job on Gumtree looking through because mum was on my back saying I can't keep giving you money to, to go out on the weekends and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, you know what, I better, <laughs> I better start supporting myself here. So um, yeah, got a job at this cafe and I remember rolling in and I saw these dangles with a combi van. I'm like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? Um, walked in, had a trial and fell in love with the place. The owners are, were amazing and they were so welcoming and, and they, you know, I felt like I, I enjoyed the hospitality industry. At the time, the cafe wasn't vegan, but the owners were passionate vegans and I had absolutely no idea about what veganism was. I'd never heard it before in my life. And after my third shift, I think it was, I was sweeping the floors and the owners are like to me, oh, like, what's your diet consist of? And I told them, you know, typical bro science approach. I have meat you know, rice and um, broccoli and broccoli. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's what I heard in the gym. I thought it must be good. And then they asked me the question. They're like, 
do you think that we need to survive off meat? And I said, well, yeah, it's a circle of life. Like, you know, we're, we're the alpha. We get to eat what we want. And they, they explained to me in depth about this whole different world that I had no idea about. And I was just blown away that, you know, we don't need meat to survive. They were thriving off plants. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. Um, so I went cold turkey initially. I stopped eating meat, stopped cooking my rice. I would always um, go for a processed package vegan option because I thought it was healthy. So I'd um, start living off, you know, Lenny and Larry's protein cookies in the packet. And I think, you know what, that's my lunch. It's vegan, must be healthy. Um, so I did that for about two months and soon realised that, you know, just because it's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy. Um, living off processed foods, wasn't feeling great, was still training, um, trying to push past, you know, that, that phase. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, it's the grind when really I wasn't feeling. Again, the warning signs coming into me, um, but I was just ignoring them. So I took a step back from eating plant-based for a while and, and started incorporating the typical bro science diet that I did before. And in that process, I started educating myself. So I started watching documentaries like What the Health and Cowspiracy and, and doing some more research on why a plant-based diet is optimal, even for athletes trying to, you know, trying to lose weight. And like my world was blown again and I figured out all these amazing foods that you can have um, on a plant-based diet and still you know enjoy enjoy the food that you're eating so gradually i slowly swapped foods that i was eating I, luckily i was never really into dairy milk although i would eat a tub of ice cream on a saturday night i was never really into um into dairy so that was easy for me i just swapped it for almond milk love almond milk at the moment um from there i'd make slow transitions i never really got into the cheese that sort of phased out after primary school um, so the cheese was really easy. The one thing for me was the eggs. The meat was easy. Swap meats with meat with lentils. I loved beans um, and then had a little bit of tofu here and there. So the one thing that really got me was the eggs and I would have that every morning. I'd have my eggs on whole grain toast with avocado and that was a staple for me every single day. Um, so that took me, that whole process of elimination took about two months, I think, till I got to the last straw, which was just the eggs. And... Um, I remember working at the cafe and like I was always, you know, seeking some some fulfillment from them saying, oh, look, I'm almost vegan, you know, like I thank you so much for for what you've done for me. I'm just having eggs there. They're like, awesome, dude, you've done so well. Like, you know, they put a positive retrospect on me and they didn't put me down for just having eggs, which now looking back, I think that's a fantastic way to to promote a plant-based diet. Um, instead of looking at the things that people are do aren't doing, look at the things that they are doing and, and how much of an impact I was having just from, um, just from, you know, cutting out everything else besides the eggs. Anyway, got to it and um, replaced my eggs with zucchini on toast. So then I was full vegan, full plant-based. So I'd had my toast with avocado and zucchini and it was fantastic. In this time, the cafe did transition into a whole, whole foods plant-based cafe, gluten-free and you know, I got inspiration from the menu from them. Those, the owners, Zach and Kat, were amazing and they helped me through my journey. Um, my partner was working there at the time, so we both, you know, transitioned at the same time, which was also really, really good um, and really easy knowing that we can bounce ideas off, off each other and have that support there. So that was my plant-based journey and transition. That's cool, man. That is really cool. Zucchini, I wouldn't have picked that for a, a substitute for eggs. Love it. It is fantastic. Yeah. Do you like drill it or? I um, cut it nice and slim. Yeah. It's slim. Slim. Yeah. Um, and then put it on the pan. There's no oil. Gets a nice char grilled taste. Nice. Nice. Amazing. I think I'll try that. Definitely. I like the sound of it. Yeah, no, it's an amazing journey. For you, 
for you at the time, was it, were you seeing it as like another fad diet or did the education really help the knowledge help to kind of empower yourself to, I don't know, take it into your own hand, take this nutrition thing really into your own hands rather than just listening to people at the gym and taking their word for it. I think I never really thought of it as a fad diet because every diet that I took on through my age from 13 to 18, I never thought it was a fad. Like I knew about fad diets, but I thought, oh, this is different. It's going to work. Like I never really realized that those were fads. And then um, after I got off the calorie count and got off all those fad diets, I soon realized that those are fads and they were promising results fast with an unsustainable approach. And then in my first couple of months of going plant-based, I thought of it as a fad as well but then I took a hard look and thought that I'm actually not even doing it right I'm living off whole foods uh, of processed foods and not whole foods so once I'd done the education I realized that you know this isn't a fad this is a lifestyle and and I feel like I'm thriving off it now that's awesome did it inspire anything in within you you know did you want to take your life in a in a new direction after adopting uh, a whole food plant-based diet a healthier way of living yeah, definitely. So I was finishing my studies at the time as a personal trainer, obviously being in the gym environment. I got um, I got inspired by, by the people there and I wanted to help change people's life. So I was still working in the cafe, doing my studying. And then when I finished my course, I was vegan for a couple of months um, and people at the course were intrigued of what, what I was bringing for lunches and things like that. And I thought, you know what, I could make a career out of this. So I... Um, I went off on my own and started up my business at the moment, which is called Euphoria Health. So Euphoria is meaning happiness and I want to be able to give people, you know, happiness through their everyday life. Um, so I guess that inspired me to start start up that business, which is personal training, group training, um, nutritional advice within reason, just in sharing the ideas that, that I have and, and um, telling, proving to people that they can, they can still thrive off a plant-based diet. So that inspired me to, to start up that, definitely. That's cool. Do you come across food addiction now in your in your work? And um, I suppose, how would you describe food addiction? That's a really good question, actually. Um, I'll answer the first part first. I do come across food addiction. Um, I can understand the warning signs from people that I've only had a conversation with, you know, for five minutes at the cafe or something like that. Um, I do, do come across it with my clients at work, and it's a tricky one because I'm trying to think of how I felt in the moment and the people telling me that I was you know doing stuff wrong and and that the things that I was doing were causing me detriment to my health I didn't believe them I didn't want to listen to that because I was so you know goal driven and I had tunnel vision I did not want to hear what anyone else had to say so with my clients at the moment I try and it's a tough ground to trek but I am I just try and bring it back on them and and really let them drive the conversation and and I ask the questions like you know, are you happy? What's like lifestyle questions? Are you happy? Like, how's your sleep and things like that? And really get them to realize, you know, what's underlying underneath their food addiction. Um, a food addiction to me looks like, the, I will add that food addiction can be a really good thing as well. It's when it gets out of control. So I have a food addiction at the moment, but it's a good way and it's a balanced way. And I'm addicted to food. I, I talk about food, it revolves around my day, but it's balanced. And I know that um, listening to my body has enabled me to do that. So food addiction is um, not being able to to have a conversation without bringing up food, or or always bringing you know your thoughts back to food, or um, being intrigued or getting your attention 
shifted when food comes on the TV or when you're having conversation about food, something like that. So when food is a centre of attention, I think that that's an addiction. Like I said before, it can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing. A bad thing is what I was doing. So I was completely addicted to food. I wasn't listening to my body when I was full. And if there was food in front of me, it was a mission. I had to like clear the plate. If, I, if there was food left on a plate, it was an unfinished job. So I think that's a bad food addiction. For me, um, when I found out about this plant-based lifestyle, I think it really enabled me to connect with my intuition. And I think intuition is such a powerful thing once you really understand what it is and really connect with yourself. Our bodies are so incredible. They send us warning signs, you know, when we're tired, when we're hungry, when we need sleep, you know, when we need exercise. They're incredible things. They, they're enabled to heal themselves. So if we start listening to our body more, I think that that's the key to life. So... This plant-based, I'm not going to say that the plant-based diet alone was the magic magic fix. It, it definitely wasn't because it was a combination of other things. So I soon found meditation as well, which sort of enabled me to get back to my to my roots and, and understand, you know, me. How did you get into medica- meditation? Was there, was there a person that recommended it or did you stumble across an application or anything like that? Because... Yeah, it's something I've spoken about with other guests and it seems to be um, a helping factor in a lot of people's lives. It's not something I've gotten into on a consistent basis yet and I think I personally would love to adopt the daily practice. How did you find it? Um, through my clients actually got into a conversation with them as you do and they recommend a meditation and um, it, it's actually funny these guys are still my clients today I've been training them since day one and it's a family and they're amazing people all into holistic health and wellness and our conversations are just next level every time we train them I always have to book out an hour and a half time slot because I know 45 minutes of training 45 minutes of conversation um, but yeah so those guys got me into you sort of planted the seed for meditation at the time, I also was a bit scared to take my business full-time, so I went and um, got a job at Lululemon, which is an activewear store, um, and started working there part-time, and as we know, that's yoga-based, so with yoga comes meditation, and I found out all these amazing things about meditation and yoga. As On the side, I was selling pants. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just meeting these amazing people, making connections with these with these yoga instructors and, and going out in the community and sweating with people really you know, enabled me to get a greater understanding of meditation. So that was the the seed for me. Awesome. And how do you go about your practice? Is it something that you just do, you know, on your own or do you have a guide or yeah, how do you go about it? Um, At the moment, I'm not specific in terms of like my meditation. I don't sit down there and, and do yoga on the mat or meditation on the mat because i think that's a common misconception meditation doesn't have to be you know in a class on a mat meditation you can do in your everyday life so for me i try and bring it back to again connecting to my intuition and bring meditation to my everyday life so if i'm stuck in traffic i'll sit there and breathe and really get through it like it's frustrating yeah i know we all want to be where we want to be on time and and you know things happen but if you're just going to get angry over it what's the point you're just going to cause yourself stress you're not going to make the cars move on the road so if you can learn to control your feelings and control your emotions in the moment, then I think um, you're going to be definitely better off for it. So when I'm stuck in traffic, I'll, I'll you know, shift my focus to not about the cars that are in front of me or the red light that's taking forever. I'll just be like, cool, 
I'm in traffic. Like, really breathe through it and enjoy the moment. Pat my dog that's next to me and, you know, live in that moment instead of worrying about what's next. So that's my meditation is always making sure I'm grounded and staying in the moment. Another one which um, I think we all can make a change with our, with our meditation, that's scrolling through Instagram or Facebook while we're eating. Not only does it affect our digestion of the food because we're not actually concentrating while we're eating, you can shovel an enormous amount of food into your mouth just from scrolling into the news feed and not even know about it and still feel hungry. Connecting to what you're eating and really enjoying every mouthful is being a lifesaver for me. So now I'll make sure my phone's on do not disturb and I'll put it away from me while I'm eating and really enjoy every flavor. So I, I try and guess, you know, the flavors that are in in the meal i know i've cooked it i know what's in it but i'll try and you know oh yeah that's the oats they're the blueberries that's the coconut yogurt i really try and connect with my food and i found that my digestion is better i'm grounded and i get full halfway through my meal as opposed to a bowl and a half of oats later when i was scrolling through the news feed so interesting yeah that's cool i think i'm going to do that for my next meal i like that epic dude even though you've cooked it it's true though like we don't connect on I'd say it would be rare to connect on that level. That's cool. I agree. And it really annoys me when I um, go out to a coffee shop, which is more often than not, and I see people scrolling through the newsfeed while they're having conversation or eating food. Like, put your phone down. Like, you can enjoy the presence of that person for the 20 minutes or the half an hour that you're there and you'll be better off for it. You're going to digest your food and you're going to enjoy the company. You can always go back to your phone after. There's no need for you to sit there and see what someone else in Albert Park's having for breakfast. Or Brooklyn. Or Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, it could be. It's true, man. It's true. I think it's a battle for a lot of people, me included. Um, Definitely. Yeah, just kind of zoning out and just pacifying yourself with this news feed that you can just scroll through i got asked an interesting question uh by a previous guest uh, matt karma he's based in bali and he asked me can you remember the posts that you liked yesterday oh and i think what he was trying to show me was the importance or the lack of importance scrolling through social media plays in our life it really is a time waster because if you're getting to the other side of the day the other end you know the end of the day and you can't remember the post you've liked it really plays no real role in in the growth of you know you i couldn't agree more so that for me was a an amazing question to ask and i think it's it's going to get a common answer you know I doubt people are going to remember uh, the the posts that they were liking. Um, it can be a tool, you know, an amazing tool. It can be a positive tool. You and I met through social media. Uh, I know Anna met a lot of her um, fitness like-minded people in Boston on social media. It just depends how we use it and realizing when it's becoming a problem, much the same as, uh, you know, when you were eating, you've realized that, it's causing a problem put it on do not disturb and enjoy your meal uh without any you know any interruption definitely dude what i want to get into now is also you know you've obviously changed your life in terms of in the way you eat the way you move uh, your relationships how about 
the podcast. So starting the podcast, what was the the driver behind that? You know, you've already got a business at this point. Um, you you know you're in a relationship. Um, you've been working part time in 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 other areas as well. What drove you uh, to to wanting to take on a podcast? Uh, for me, the podcast was sort of the second fiddle. I wanted to write a book, and I wanted to be able to share my journey of weight loss and and all the the skills that I've acquired through the various roles. Um, yeah, so I want to be able to to share people that. And then I remember speaking to my mentor, and I'm like, "Mate, I want to write write a book." He's like, "Awesome idea, buddy, but not to be rude, I think you should not write a book first. Why don't you try a podcast?" I never really thought about it and he's like just do it start it it's like i'll give you the microphone you can start i've got guests for you lined up just do it i'm like all right you know i'll do it i'll start up so got got out my mac got up garage band plugged in the microphone and that was it that was how i started the podcast and then i didn't really know why i wanted to do the podcast until about two episodes in and then i started thinking about why I wanted to write the book and I wanted to write the book because I want to promote balance and I know it took me a while to understand what balance is and and balance is not standing on one foot and holding your nose at the same time that's not balance balance is understanding you know different areas that your life are the tipping the scale in one in one area and bring it back to balance so equilibrium and um yeah I wanted to promote balance so for me balance balance for me is understanding you know mapping out your whole day and knowing that you're going to go out for dinner and you're going to enjoy a lovely meal with people at a, at a pizza restaurant, um, vegan of course, <laughs> and then not having pasta and a whole massive bowl of oats for lunch, uh, for breakfast and lunch, having replacing one of those meals with a salad or, you know, some whole, whole food green vegetables. So you're not tipping the scale at one end. You're still enjoying that time with your friends, but you're sacrificing a little bit of lunch to balance it, to maintain, you know, that balance. Again, balance isn't going to the gym six days a week and, you know, thrashing yourself in every aspect. Balance is listening to your body and knowing if you're sore, you don't have to go to the gym. Like one day is not going to kill you. Go for a 30-minute walk and still get your steps in for the day. You know, connect with nature and play with your dog or something like that. So balance isn't about doing all these one you know, one avenue of health, it's maintaining every single avenue into one. So incorporating yoga, meditation, nailing your sleep, getting your nutrition right, moving your body a little bit more and not putting stress through that process because enjoy the process because life's too short. So that was the main message for me starting the podcast. Very cool. Have you got like a, a top five of people you'd love to have on the podcast or top three or is there a guest that you would really, you know, want to have on the pod? Um, to be honest, I get really inspired by uh, Simon Hill from Plant Proof, so I'd love to be able to have him on the podcast and, and chat to him and pick his brain about nutrition and, and the amazing things he's doing in the field. But I also, apart from that, I want to get to know and connect with as many different people as possible because I feel like not only the big show has a great story, the person walking down the street, you know, that has three kids and has just turned plant-based has an amazing story to tell. Um, and I think connection is a big aspect that we're lacking in life. And if we can be able to connect with people like I'm doing in the podcast and, and have meaningful conversations and not conversations like, oh, hi, how was your day? Like be able to talk about cool shit, like, you know, what you did when you were 15 that's cool man like you don't want to talk about what you did today every single day 
get into deeper conversations. So I think connection was the main driver for me and I want to continue to be able to connect with as many people as possible. Yeah, it's certainly, um, it's certainly the coolest part of having a podcast. You meet these people, you know, I met you today and we've both heard, you know, quite an in-depth story on, on both sides. I don't think, I don't think we usually want to do that when we sit down for coffee or for lunch. No it way. is like, you know, how's your day and how's work, yada, yada, yada. But I think we, coming away from a conversation that's much deeper and meaningful, you're going to remember that. You might learn a few things, start implementing them into your own life. I think, yeah, there's a lot of learning to be done from having uh, more meaningful, deeper conversations. So I'm stoked you're having the, the time. You've got the time to, to run the podcast as well on the side. I really want to listen to the episode with Joshua Entis, uh, the animal activist. I, uh, we just missed him in Tulum. So I'd love to hear from him and, and a little bit about his story. Uh, what's next for you, man? What, what have uh, you got on the horizon? Oh, I've been known to bite off a little bit more than I can chew <laughs> at times. Um, so at the moment, I'm currently studying naturopathy, so natural medicine, um, and trying to promote balance through that as well. So doing that at Endeavour College in Melbourne, as well as running my business, um, group classes, personal training, you know, um, Instagram page, social media is literally a full-time job. So <laughs> trying to tackle that is, is a bit tough at the moment, um, as well as still playing cricket and, and yeah, that's about it, studying and, and working and playing cricket and enjoying life as much as I can. And you're a busy podcast, man. of course. Yeah, you're a very busy man. Um, yeah, I'm, it's been awesome to meet you, man. I've really enjoyed hearing your story. Um, I think it's a, it's a really important one for you to share. I think in, in the world we live in now with rates of you know childhood obesity um, and the, the type of food that we're, we're feeding to our children, or they or they are eating it's it's becoming increasingly processed increasingly high higher in saturated fat higher amounts of food um, and we're seeing it on a global scale so yeah I, I really hope that there's people out there that can uh, learn from you know your story you've got the courage to, to share it with the world so thank you for doing that thanks for making the time to drive down from Essendon to Morris to come on the show today I really do appreciate it um, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to share? I mean, where can we find you? That's always that's always a good one because I'd, I'd want my listeners to, to be able to get in contact with you. Uh, first of all, thanks, Matt, for having me today, man. It's been awesome meeting you and connecting. Like you said, we met on social media and now to put a, you know, put a face behind there. The black screen has been awesome and you and Anya are doing amazing things. So keep up the great work. Um, in terms of where to contact me, I'm very active through Instagram. So Euphoria Health. Um, at Euphoria Health, so that's Y O U four I A Health, um, and then my personal profile is Matthew Sapala on Instagram as well, and then my website www.euphoriahealth.com. Beautiful. Always open for a chat. Anyone that wants to talk about anything that they've heard in this podcast and and really struggling in any area, I've got heaps of time for people. So shoot me a DM. I'd love to chat. Love that man. Yeah, please do contact him, guys. Let him know you listened to the pod, how you enjoyed it. And yeah, what you learned from today's conversation. Anyway, mate, we better we better run. I'm sure you've got definitely a lot on your plate. So yeah, thanks again, and uh, yeah, look forward to to sending this one live, man. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Hi guys, thank you for tuning in to episode 42 of the show. What did you think? 
In my opinion, Matt is a remarkable young man, dedicating his life to helping people with true health and happiness. He has done some really hard yards in his early years, as you heard in our conversation today, and has ultimately used those experiences to start a new journey. So if you'd like to listen to Matt's podcast, you can find him at the Weekly Dose of Euphoria on Apple Podcasts. It's spelt Y-O-U, the number four, I for Igloo, A. Or on his website at euphoriahealth.com. If you have any questions from this week's show or any questions in general, you can find me over at VegTalk. That's V-E-D-G-E-T-A-L-K on Instagram. It's always great to hear from you. So please don't hesitate in reaching out. Next week, we will be chatting with Mexican filmmaker Alfonso Gomez. He's been on the boat Sea Shepherd in Baja, California recently and has an incredible story to share. I can't wait to bring it to you all. But until then, veggie mates, keep it plant-based and I'll talk to you then.